Lords of Limited is proud to be brought to you in part by StarCityGames.com. Not only are they the home of the top content and coverage on the web, they're also the world's largest independent retailer for Magic the Gathering singles and supplies. For more information, visit StarCityGames.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to not just another episode of Lords of Limited, but our 100th episode. My name is Ben Werney, and joining me on the line is Ethan Sachs. Ethan, can you believe it? It is finally here. I'm blown away, man. It's been a wild 99 episodes so far, and I'm very excited to ring in number 100 with you today. Yeah, this is absolutely crazy. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of firsts for me, so I'm actually recording this episode from my new house. Uh, my wife and I closed on our first house a little over a month ago. We're moving tomorrow, but i am got my whole PC set up without my desk, so I'm certainly like sitting on the floor. You may notice it's a little echoey because there's no other furniture in this room. My mouse and mouse pad are on an empty box. We're really, really doing it ghetto this week. It's going to be great. You're just getting all zen. I can picture you <laughs> sitting there Indian style on the floor. I am. I am. Yeah. Legs crossed. I'm sitting on a rug. Very comfy. <laughs> How are you? Doing well. Ready to check in on that trophy leaderboard and get this thing rolling along. So on MTGO, I am now 41 drafts deep, 94 and 28 overall record, 21 trophies for a 77% win rate. My win rate took an unfortunate dip after a detour into Ashiok land <laughs> with an 03 drop. And not not yeah. 02 drop. We went the full 03. Chat goaded me into trying to get the third win. So <laughs> nice. Yeah, I've also found the drafts to be a little bit more difficult than normal this week. I am 85 drafts deep, 177 to 76 for 28 trophies, a solid 70% win rate but i have lost my last four matches it's a bit of a yikes whoa yeah it did feel like the meta shifted it was a lot harder to draft grixis this week it feels like people are finally starting to catch on to that i was wiped a fair amount this last week when i was doing drafts i would like to go back to us not doing a podcast and me winning more can we just do that <laughs> instead <laughs> no we cannot no we cannot and uh so before we dive into a very very special episode today a really a really unique style show for our 100th episode we have to talk about that lords of limited patreon patreon.com slash lords of limited where you can give back to the show if you so choose we've got the discord as a reward for any and all patrons who decide to give back to the show that is a bustling place it's got a really smooth sexy new layout as we talked about a couple of weeks ago a bunch of different places for people to be discussing limited strategy even opened up a team sealed and draft section this week in preparation for the gp in providence so really awesome stuff happening there um, some higher tier rewards as well and we of course want to make sure that we shout out each and every new patron the first week that they join and i think i got it under control this week ben so we're going to welcome to the fold Christian, Joshua, Brian, Chris, Anders, Dan, Samsung, Connor, Jeff, Graham, Andrew, Scott, and perhaps a little inspiration from Mrs. Metronome the other week. We have Lady Tupperware. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We really appreciate your support. Ooh la la. And that is not your wife, it's I presume, wife. based on her interest in magic cards. And I'm going to let you know that she will not know that Lady Tupperware subscribed because she does not listen to this podcast. So it'll just be our little secret listeners. <laughs> yeah, cannot say thank you enough. I think my favorite part about the new Discord layout is just how many channels there are and that they're all busy. So whenever I want, I can go talk about whatever I want. If I want to click in on a quick what's the pick, if I've got 30 seconds, I pop in on that channel. If I got a little more time, I go into what's the build, help somebody out with their draft deck build. It's excellent. All right. So this week... For episode number 100, we're going to take a long trip 
down memory lane, Ben. We're going to do highlights of 100 episodes here. You know, we feel like we've sort of earned this a little bit. We've had 99 no-nonsense episodes, or mostly no-nonsense episodes. And I think we're going to take the time to sort of reflect on what we've done. And I think that'll be fun for some listeners who've been with us from the beginning. And for some folks who are newer to the show, give you a sense of the history, a bit of the evolution, and maybe highlight some episodes that you may want to go and check back in on. Yeah, for those of you that don't know, Ethan and I did not meet ever IRL until about like, I don't know, 40 some episodes into the podcast. Yeah. So back in the days, this was like spring of 2017. That's when I started like diving into streaming full time. And I'm pretty sure that's when Ben started streaming himself. Twitch started this feature called auto hosting, where you could set up people that you would direct viewers of your stream to while you weren't streaming. So if someone went to check if you were online and then you weren't, you would be hosting someone else. This is sort of like layman now, like that's really popular now and common. But back in the day, this was a new feature. And when this feature started, Ben, and back in the day, he was just Ben Wernie on Twitch. I thought I was going to go famous like Gabby Sparts. <laughs> well, you did. You're now, you now have a Mrs. Metronome patron here. I know. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. It's a price of fame there. So Ben Wernie was one of the first people to auto host me and I had no idea who he was. And so I was like, all right, well, I'll go. This guy has like, you know, done something to support my stream. So I will go and, and check in on his stream. So that's how I got introduced to you to go and start watching your stream back when you only had like a handful of viewers. Yeah, my stream was just getting off the ground and I had checked out your stream and I was really impressed. I thought you were a great player, great drafter. And so I put you on my auto host list. And I don't really remember how the conversation started. I think it was on my stream and you were in chat and the subject of doing a podcast came up. And I don't think folks know this about me, but I used to do a podcast about acting back when I lived in New York. I did about like 50 or 60 episodes of a show back then. And, you know, that was a sort of that ended up being sort of a tumultuous relationship towards the end with the, my podcast co-host. And but that's not neither here nor there. But I sort of knew like what I was interested in, in terms of participating in creating a podcast. And I knew I'd be fine to like create the content for it. But I was like, I don't really want to do any of the back end stuff. I don't want to do any like promoting of it or editing or like worrying about all the technical stuff. And uh, Ben popped up in chat and said, I'd do that. Yeah, it sounded sweet. I was in. I knew nothing about podcasting nor editing. Um, <laughs> but I figured I could figure it out. You know, I'm an intelligent guy. And I really wanted to create more magic content and streaming even back then. I think it's really hard to get into streaming right now. It was still pretty competitive even back then. And so I thought maybe a podcast would be something that would give my stream a way to stand out. And little did I know that the podcast would become a much major part of my life than the stream. Yeah. So I, mean, I, I remember, I wish I had more details on, in text. Like I felt like we had maybe texted or s like Skype texted. I couldn't find any of the messages. The first message that I saw in our Skype conversations was me messaging you saying, hey, it's LT, which is very bizarre Like for me to refer to myself as that to anyone <laughs> that I talk to as a human, you know? <laughs> But, you know, I think even from the start, you know, you and I really grew up on limited resources and the content of that era of all like the CFB articles. I think even before you and I like met up, we were sort of consuming the same kind of content. And I think we were very aware about like not just creating another show like that. And I think also the impetus for wanting to create the show sort of came out of what I felt like I wasn't getting from them. And that's still a show that I listen to each and every week, but just like figuring out like what, what sort of void is there in the content community and how can we fill that? Yeah, really agree with all of that. And I had no idea what I was getting myself into when I said I was going to be editing our 
our podcast and ended up ultimately suckering Ethan into editing after about a year of doing the podcast because I think it was successful beyond either of our wildest dreams. And I had a little too much on my plate with marching band last year after taking over full-time head band director at my current position. So when we sat down to do our first episode, we had this janky, right now we use this thing called Zencaster that does a little bit of processing on the audio for us before we even ever start to edit. But back then we were just doing it all cold turkey. And our first episode was a set review, just based on the timing of when we decided to start the podcast. So we sat down to do the Hour of Devastation Common and Uncommon set review, just like Limited Resources does. But we didn't want to do exactly what they were doing. We wanted to make sure our podcast was a little bit separate because, to be honest, their show is the impetus for our show. And it's similar content, and we've listened to all of their content, and I think are the players we are because of limited resources. And another reason I think we work so well together is we were at, and still are, I think, in a very similar stage of our Magic the Gathering development. I think, you know, if we were to like give like a mission statement for our show, I think we were both very much on the same page of like, we wanted a show for people like us, for people who are like grinding Magic Online a lot. And I felt like there wasn't really that, I wanted that nitty gritty thing that we now offer that like, well, what's the meta look like this week? Oh, here is four weeks in, we finally feel like this common is the second best common in blue and not the third best common anymore. You know, all that sort of stuff that I think our listeners flock to and recognize us for. I think that's what we wanted to create, but it's tough. You know, it was tough for us to find that initially, as you can see, we're like, well, we didn't want to be just like limited resources, but our first episode was a common and uncommon set review, just like them. And in our efforts to differentiate ourselves from limited resources in our first common and uncommon set review, we came up with this very fancy five-star rating system. I guess we can talk about our, our grading review scale. Yeah. Let's do that. Yeah. Let's do it. So just, just like you're going to review any good restaurant or hotel you stay at or movie, we're going to go on the classic five-star scale. Um, so five stars being a windmill slam bomb. Um Using examples from Amonkhet, that's going to be like Glorybringer, Angel of Sanctions, Archfiend of Ifnir, all those fun cards that you were really excited when your opponent played them. Um, fours and four and a half stars, those are going to be strong cards that pull you into a color, make you want to play that color. Those are going to be like the top tier commons, really good common, uh, uh, uncommons rather, like Magmus Bray and Gustwalker from the last set, best commons, Angler Drake, Stir the Sands, On Crop Crusher, all that good stuff. I have a confession to make, Ben. I, I can't go back and listen to that whole episode. It's too cringy for me. <laughs> <laughs> it was really rough. And I think something our listeners don't necessarily know, our first episode was almost a gigantic disaster. <laughs> so we recorded this whole thing and it was like four hours long and I had never done any editing ever. And I didn't know what audio drift was. And there's this thing when you record, you know, obviously we're separated by, you know, miles, miles, miles. He's in Pittsburgh. I'm in southern Indiana. So by the end of the episode, our audio was off by like between five to ten minutes. And I had no idea what had happened. And I was so panicked. And I didn't know what to do. So I'm like frantically reading on the internet about audio drift and things you can do. And it seemed like we were just sort of sunk at that point after recording. But I didn't want to tell Ethan because I knew he would be furious <laughs> because we just spent four hours recording this thing. And I really wanted to do the podcast. So I spent probably like, I don't know, easily 20 to 25 hours of time editing our first episode, trying to get rid of this five to 10 minutes of audio drift and having no plan, like no idea of what I was doing. So Lords of Limited almost did not get off the ground. That is crazy. I don't think until we were talking about doing this episode that you ever told me how long editing your the first episode took for you. I'm so, so sorry. No, God, no. I, I, I was terrified that you were like, why? Why did I sign up to do a podcast with this loser? <laughs> <laughs> 
So, you know, as you can see, we're finding our footing. I think it's really interesting. I just recently got a new microphone and then a little bit before then got a new computer. It's a huge difference between like the sound quality from my microphone and also then the like sort of back end of the audio drift from my new computer. It's tough to listen to those, those, you know, I guess first, whatever, 60 episodes, 70 episodes before I got my new, new rig and stuff set up. I think another thing we were trying to brainstorm in the beginning was just how we were going to give our podcast a sense of legitimacy. Yeah. And that's sort of where the trophy leaderboard came from, because we both are good players. We both generally are around 70% win rate, you know, give or take. Sort of by the time, you know, we're 50, 100 drafts deep in the format, maybe we start out rockier, or maybe we start out hotter. But we wanted to get our win rate out there as sort of our voice of authority, like, hey, we're good players. Yes, we draft well. Yes, we can trophy. Yes, our advice can actually help you trophy as well. What have you been doing on the uh, the old trophy leaderboard? Where where are you at these days? I know I know you've been crushing it. Yeah. So for those who are not um, Magic Online grinders, uh, trophies represent a three zero in a draft league. So a draft league is uh, where you do have a draft pod of eight people, but once you have your deck assembled, you may be paired with anyone else who's in the draft league, which is uh, thousands of people uh, are in that pool. So you're almost certainly not going to be paired against someone in your draft pod. But so a league. Uh, trophy represents three owing with a certain deck that you draft. So when we talk about the trophy leaderboard, that's what we're talking about. Um, yeah, I have been doing insanely well. Uh, I've not started off a format like this before. I have currently have 10 trophies in 20 drafts. Um, my record is 44 and 12 in matches. That is insane. Yeah. So you're like 80% win rate almost? Yeah. I mean, this I'm sure it will level out right now, but I do feel like from doing the set review for the podcast, I just like was so much more prepared than I've ever been for a format. This episode should just be titled Ethan Mansplains a bunch <laughs> of things. <laughs> Not sure why I felt the need to have a 40 second explanation of the trophy leaderboard, but there it is. And now it feels so archaic with Arena coming out. So that's something that has stuck around for us. I think now we probably don't need it for legitimacy, but I think it's good for like bragging rights and also with us being so competitive with each other. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. And then we also sort of wanted a way to discuss things. And again, I mean, it's a lot of stuff of like deriving things from limited resources and then finding our own way. So we had this idea of, you know, we're the lords of limited. So we'll have this like round table discussion rather than doing like a, a crack a pack thing. But Ben had other plans. Yeah, I mistakenly called it crack a pack in our first episode. And you could tell Ethan was just like, are you kidding me? You really just said crack a pack. Yeah, I think we spent all this time being like, I want to make sure we brand this in a different way. And like, let's make sure that we're like trying to separate ourselves from from Marshall and Luis. And, uh, and well, you, you can check it out. And I think the other thing about it is that we also wanted the ability to go deeper than just pack one, pick one. I think you and my favorite limited resources episodes were when they did sort of the crack a draft kind of things where they go three or four packs deep. And we wanted to do that on a regular basis on our show and go even deeper. And that's, you know, sort of where we got the idea for doing the full 45 episodes and things like that, just getting deeper into drafts in podcast form. Okay. Um, so yeah, do you want to do, do you want to do your crack a pack first here? Yeah, so we're going to do a pack one, pick one. So, so this segment, the round table is going to be, you know, I think at the start of the format, certainly today, we're going to talk about a few, uh, pack one, pick ones. Um, I think that's a good way to like ease into this format at the beginning, but as we get deeper into the format, I think we'll look at, at more difficult decisions. We may even look at some in-game decision-making. Um, this is really going to be a place for us to like talk strategy, uh, in the draft and in gameplay. I don't know if we got better at talking or we just got more vigilant about editing out the ums and the uhs. I think all of the above. <laughs> yeah. 
And we also wanted to have something clever near the end of our episodes, sort of like the LR sign-off things. We were brainstorming about stuff to do, and both of us were just absolutely abysmal at naming cards when we started the show, and I think are still pretty abysmal at naming cards, but are a little more aware of it now. So we came up with this game called Name That Card that we were going to put in the, the third episode as sort of a game show style segment near the end of the podcast as something sort of fun to do. All right, well, we're now going to get into what is going to be certainly the most embarrassing segment of this episode. It is going to be awesome. I am so psyched. As you all may have noticed, Ben and I have a little trouble remembering cards names, so we thought we'd challenge each other to a little segment we're going to call... Name That Card. Uh, So we've each got a list of five cards, uh, three commons, one uncommon, and a rare. Uh, that we are going to pose to the other person. We are going to describe the text of the card and then uh, see if the other uh, person can name that card. Pretty straightforward. Those uh, sultry tones you heard are uh, my dear friend Charlie, who does the voiceover at the beginning of the episode, announcing our proud sponsorship of StarCityGames.com. That didn't stick, Ben. It didn't it take. Did not we- stick. We had the whole nine yards. We had the trombone noises. We had some. <laughs> we had some dings when you got the question right. It was. We went the whole nine yards. So, you know, we're just, just trying to find our footing. I think it's sort of interesting. We're going to gloss over this here a little bit, but I didn't really remember this until I was going back to the episode catalog. So after we did the Hour of Devastation, like common on common set review, sort of limited resources style, then we did a little bit of an experiment a different way. And we released five episodes separately around preview season, like splitting them up by color instead when Ixalan came out. That also didn't stick. <laughs> That also did not stick, thank God. Yeah. But speaking of Ixalan, I'd say that's when we started to like hit our stride in terms of getting some pretty pinnacle episodes or some like episodes that I think are like strong canon for our our show. What's this the first one we think we want to talk about? I think the beard episode is really one that was our first sort of sort of breaking a format type moment or packaging a concept that lets you really draft a format a lot better in podcast form. It was a really cool and I don't think we can take the credit. I, we can take the credit for branding a beard, but I think Ryan Sachs and Sasha, a dude on Twitch, really sort of helped us understand the format because we were struggling a fair amount along with a lot of other people at the beginning of Ixalan. The problem is, is that Ixalan does not conform to that level of evaluations. So bombs certainly still exist. You want to uh, be very conscious of when you open or when you get past game-winning bombs in this format because they don't exist that much. I mean, there are a handful of really powerful spells in the format. Hostage Taker, Regisaur Alpha. Vraska, um, Huatli. Vraska, Huatli, sure. But there's also a lot of clunkers at the rare and mythic rare uh, level. So you don't see those bombs that often. And we don't really have removal as the second thing. We're going to introduce a new acronym here. We're going to call this one BEARD. Arrrr, these pirates have their beards. <laughs> oh, I like that. I like that a lot. So uh, B, certainly still for bombs. But E, we're going to say, stands for enhancements. Great comedic relief there, Ben. Yeah, you could tell. You were like, yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Why I... did you make that R noise in the middle of our podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Just trying to add some levity, man. So good. Yeah, the beard episode was great. I feel like that's, yeah, that's like our big first level up style episode or how you're describing it like packaging uh sort of a concept in a a neat little way Uh, i'm proud of that episode yeah i think it helped certainly both you and i turn around the format quite a bit and i think the level of detail that we went into on ixalan you know a lot of other people 
in the limited community just wrote Ixalan off as this terrible tribal format that wasn't going to be any good. And I do think there was a lot to do in the format and a lot to learn about the format. And it turned a lot of things upside down on its head from, you know, usual limited heuristics. And just figuring that out and getting the information out there, I think helped lend a lot of legitimacy to our podcast as like a serious thing in the limited landscape of magic content. I think another episode that was probably like our first like non-format specific style episode, you know, we've started to pepper these in towards the end of a format, like when we feel like we're really sort of scraping the bottom of the barrel for content that's specific to the current limited set. Uh, We do some sort of like broad level up style shows. And this one is one is pretty early on. I mean, we're not even what six months deep when we got to episode 23, which was making your own luck. And this was an episode that I'm still really proud of. I actually recently listened to the whole thing a little bit ago. And uh, it's pretty impressive that we we got there just like so early. And I think we both came at it from two pretty different directions. Yeah, I was very passionate about that episode. And it was really cool to get to do that and tie everything MTG wise back into real life. Yeah, our episode is about making your own luck. Um, and this this initially originated as kind of a joke <laughs> on my stream because <laughs> yeah. uh, I say, why me all the time? Uh, and I have a tendency to be living in the past when I'm doing a draft. You know, if I wish I had taken another avenue through the draft or things like that. And I also kind of have this deep-seated belief that I'm always fighting that I'm horribly unlucky and more unlucky than the rest of the world. Um <laughs> So I think you were even Skyping in on stream, weren't you? Mm-hmm. And yeah. and you were just like, what What are you doing? Why are you talking like this? Like, it's just a complete and absolute waste of energy to be thinking about what we could have done. Like, we need to be deciding what we're doing right now. Yeah. And so you made this command in my chat uh, called exclamation point why me. So in, in Twitch, if you put an, like, you can do commands with exclamation points in front of the word and uh, the bot that's in your channel does something. So my exclamation point why me command says, here lies Ben Warney. We hardly knew ye. Like a little, <laughs> little rest in peace tribute. Yeah. So like, what is this, this state of mind? Why me mentality is kind of like a victim mentality or a state of helplessness due to perceived repetitive bad luck or inability on your part to accept a situation or a circumstance that's happened in your life, like either like specifically in Magic the Gathering. And I think this also pertains to uh, real life as well. And there's a lot of lessons to be applied from Magic and taken to to real life. Yeah. So today what we're going to do is take a look at a number of scenarios that Magic players and limited players come against every time they play. And these are experiences that you and I have certainly have many, many times and that I'm sure our listeners have as well. And we're going to take a look at some proactive fixes for those situations and also some ways that that mentality extends to real life situations as well. There's a lot that I want to unpack from that clip. I even feel like listening to that clip in comparison to even maybe the beard clip or certainly clips from, you know, episode three or one, we've got a rhythm going down. And I think it's interesting to point out that we used to, so Ben and I have pretty detailed show notes each and every week for each episode. Um, we really like want to make sure we have a clear, strong outline of what we're going to do. But back in the day, we used to even like assign bullet points to each <laughs> other. You remember that putting like a B or an E next to each topic and like sprinkling that throughout? I do, mostly because I was really insecure about when I was supposed to talk. Ethan was like, do we really need to do this? And I was like, yes, we do. I'll feel a lot better if we do this. And the other thing was, I think it was sort of tough for us to find our footing. I don't think, at least at the time, the content that I was listening to, it feels like there's a lot more like it right now. But certainly, you know, we're going to reference LR probably a lot on the show because it was a big part of our uh, limited history. But on there, you know, the, the format has always been sort of Marshall is the host and whoever is the co-host is like the expert 
seat, you know, that's sort of the, the dynamic of that show. And that's not really how you and I are. Like, there's not that sort of relationship there. And I think it was hard for us to figure out our own footing. But I really feel like it in that clip in particular, I start to hear like, oh, now they're like starting to get their dynamic and their rhythm down and like the back and forth as peers rather than as like a host expert sort of thing. What I remember really when I realized sort of the flow got a lot easier for me, we had our first crossover episode with Men From Moto with Semulin, Travis Sowers, right. and Dave Seville, and you were gone, and I was interviewing Semulin about Sealed, and then when you got back the next week, I was like, oh my God, that was so hard to do without you transitioning between stuff, and we just sort of left it up that you were really good at that, and we're sort of going to do the transitions, and I think that really allowed us to sort of hit our stride bouncing off of each other. Yeah, for sure. Now, that Make Your Own Luck episode is gas. If you haven't listened to it, I highly recommend it. Yeah, and around that same time, we started to get some emails from some of our early listeners like Matt, Christopher, and Way, encouraging us to start a Patreon page. And I think initially both you and I were like, wow, thanks. You know, that's really flattering, but I don't think we're really there yet. And then after some insistence, we were like, all right, you know, it can't do any harm. We might as well start a Patreon. And thanks for joining the Discord, too, everybody that's come in. The Discord exploded this weekend. Yeah. And I think it's going to be awesome. I'm I'm super psyched. Like, so uh, for those of you that don't know what Discord is, it's kind of like a, I didn't even know really what it was until, I don't know, a month ago or so. It's like mm-hmm. a, a voice. It's like Skype, right? Except you can uh, you can instant message on it to groups. So, like, mm-hmm. for example, somebody in our Discord might post a draft and then everybody that's in the Discord says, yeah, it looks great. Or, you know, I might consider switching out this three drop for this three drop. And yours has been going super well. You have one for your Twitch channel also, right? I do, yeah, yeah. And that one's got like, I don't know, 25, 30 people in it, more than mm-hmm. that. And it's it's really active. And ours uh, has been slow. And then this weekend, a bunch of people join and are talking. And it's going to be tons of fun, I think. Oh, Ben of 2017, if only you knew the explosion that the Discord had in store for you. Yeah, I had no idea. That, that explosion there was probably like three to four people joining in one week. And just last week or a week or two ago, we had something like 50 people join in one week, which is absolutely insane. Blown away by the support for our show from our listeners. And again, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, and thanks to those early folks who sent us the emails to sort of like get the wheels turning there. And around that time, so this is all about the end of 2017, we did our 25th episode, which was our Vintage Cube Crash Course. We sort of pepper in some Cube episodes here and there, though they're not like the most popular. So we, we, we sort of pull back on them, even though Ben and I really like to do Cube. But the Vintage Cube Crash Course was our first episode featured on dailymtg.com. I remember like opening up Twitter and Discord that morning and folks being like, hey, your episode's on the mothership. And I was like, wait, what? It is? Yeah, they didn't talk to us at all. They just put it up there. And it was absolutely incredible to see that on the MTG homepage. That was a really big milestone for me. I don't know why, but that felt like we're like being recognized by Watsi as content creators is pretty huge. Yeah, it felt like we'd sort of made it in a certain sense. Yeah. And that was also sort of our early template for our crash course style episode. You know, we had when Ixalan came out in the fall, we had sort of done that, like, let's split it up by each color per like little mini episode. And that didn't really feel like it took. And also Ixalan was this format that felt like we could have maybe figured out some stuff about if we had looked at some statistics. And so this like idea of doing maybe broad strokes was sort of tested out here with the Vintage Cube. All right. So what do we got on tap for today, Ben? We are going to talk about Vintage Cube and how to draft it properly. So should we do a little overview about like what people can expect from the Vintage Cube in general? Yeah, so I guess we should start at the top. Uh, there's 540 cards in the cube, uh, which is a f- medium-sized cube. 
I think mm-hmm. some cubes are either like 365, 40, or 720, right? Right. Generally. Um, so you're not going to see every card, every draft. And this is different from the Legacy Cube, which we kind of talked about uh, in our first episode about Cube, which was Introduction to Cube. So if you've not checked that out uh, and you like this episode, I would go there. That's going to give you some basics. Uh, and then we're going to dive into the specifics of the Vintage Cube. And what, what separates this cube from the Legacy Cube is that this cube is powered, which means it's got... Uh, the Power 9, so the Moxes, Black Lotus, Time Walk, Ancestral Recall, and Time Twister, which means you're going to be trying to do way more busted unfair stuff uh, than you are in other cubes. Um, so that changes several things about pick orders here. Uh, just in general, dual lands and the fetch lands are going to be super high picks because you're going to have really powerful cards that you're interested in splashing in your decks. Mm-hmm. Really powerful like one mana or one colored mana requirement cards like Time Walk, Ancestral Recall, Mind Twist, Balance, those kinds of things. I think another part of getting the podcast rolling initially when we initially started the podcast, it was in June and Vintage Cube was out. And I think you and I both really love to draft Vintage Cube the same way. And our favorite card is Balance. And I think that was also sort of just something that made it way easier to think, yeah, I I like this person, you know, we're similar. Why not start a podcast? Yeah, I mean, we are still in the number of episodes before we had ever met folks. Like, just keep in mind that Ben and I have started this thing as internet strangers and just like built it and worked on it. And so lucky that like we get along, that we have like similar temperaments, that we have a sort of natural chemistry, I think. And just like our working relationship as well as our like on air or whatever on screen relationship, I think is like just very amicable. Would second that for sure. And then we get into our very first guest, who I think has been, no offense to any of our other guests, but our best guest on the show and the only person we've had on the show twice, Ryan Sachs. Yeah, I mean, Ryan has been a champion of both of our streams from the beginning, I think. I got a chance to meet him a few months prior to when we recorded when I went to do a Team GP in Providence in 2017. And his articles are gas. And he had this concept that he had sort of introduced in our Twitch chats and that he had written an article about, about drafting with preferences that I think was a huge level up for both you and I. And we were really excited to share with our listeners. It's uh, probably my favorite concept in drafting. And it's the idea that you should actually embrace your own biases. So a lot of people will tell you, oh, you bias towards control or you bias towards aggro. It's really important to understand that so that you can suppress it. That's what people will tell you because you should always draft properly, draft what's open, draft what you're supposed to draft. And while there's certainly merit there, I'm not advocating hard forcing any strategies, you have a bias towards aggressive decks because You enjoy playing them and you're good at playing them. And you can alter the way that you draft because you're simply more likely to end up in an aggressive deck if you like aggressive decks. So you change the way that you draft, not to guarantee you end up within that strategy, but just to make it more likely that you play the cards that you pick. Yeah. And so this would be what you were talking about where you're staying open and drafting perfectly. That would be like a really, there's a really famous article by Ben S called Drafting the Hard Way, right? Wonderful article. Yeah, it's awesome. Fantastic article. Uh, We can link it in the show notes. That would be like drafting the perfect way. And then you're talking about biasing. And I think this is one of like hanging out with you and interacting with you on Twitch is one of the biggest ways I've leveled up is I've started to embrace this concept of drafting with preferences. For example, I think that's why I've done so well in Ixalan. Like once we did the beard episode and I started slanting my picks towards drafting aggro, drafting one with the wind, and really wanting to end up in aggro. If you do that, like we're not full forcing, but 
if you bias your picks that way, it makes it much more likely if like in a format, you can identify what the optimal strategy is, and then bias towards that optimal strategy, I think your win rate's going to go up. I agree. It's what I do in most formats is try and figuring out the overlap between what's good, what I like, and how exactly I can shift the way that I draft to increase the probability that I end up in a deck that meets that overlap. Yeah, I still stand by what I said in that clip. I think even now, 100 episodes deep, that is the single thing that has leveled me up the most since we've started the podcast. And I am still continually blown away just by how eloquent of a speaker Ryan is. Unreal. I, was, I just felt like listening to that, I was like, oh, I'm totally wrapped. I just want to go back and listen to this whole episode again. It was such a good episode. And I do think, you know, you know, just in War of the Spark, you know, we're talking about wanting to draft Grixis. I can set myself up to be Grixis a lot without forcing. And it's due to that concept of drafting with preferences. And then, I mean, we're really like running back to back here. We're hitting our stride here in the mid 20s. This is, these are our golden years. Uh, episode 28 is our actual first crash course episode for Rivals of Ixalan. Our first time doing this. And I think this really not only became a great staple for us, but also a great burden off your shoulders in the editing department, Ben. Right. Just generally the length of whatever the show is, we sort of spend about triple that editing on average. So if it's an hour long show, it takes about three hours to edit. And those full set reviews that were like three or four hours long, you know, we're taking even when you were doing them right without the audio drift, 10, 12 hours to edit, which was just a lot. And I think the other thing this crash course did to set us up for success is just something different that nobody else was doing. There are millions of card by card set reviews. And I think limited resources is the best and the one that everyone listens to. But there are a lot of others as well. And there's just no point in adding our hat in that ring. And I do think the crash course provides something really valuable that is a unique style of content for previewing sets. And is really on brand for us. You know, if we're like a nitty gritty show for the draft addict, I think a crash course style set review makes a lot of sense for those people. Okay, so we're going to do things a little differently this week. We are not, that's right, I repeat, we are not doing a card-by-card set review. We wanted to take a different approach to the spoilers this week, and uh, and I want Ben to maybe guide us through how that this episode's going to go. Yeah, we're going to do things a little differently than normal, as you said. First thing we're going to do is just take a look at stats. Like as many different statistics as possible for the format that we can throw at you to help you and us get a picture of what the format's going to look like. Because I think we missed the mark pretty hard on Ixalan, partially because we didn't understand how the removal matched up with the creatures. And I think if we'd taken a look at these kinds of stats, we might have been able to get a, a better sense of how the format was going to play out. Um, so we're going to jam stats down and then kind of try to draw some conclusions about the format from what those stats you know, lead us to believe about the format. And then for each color, we're going to go through our biggest, like we've already done grades uh, in a spreadsheet for all of these cards. And we're going to highlight the cards where our grades are different by more than two marks. Like if I had a C minus and Ethan had a C plus, we're going to take a look at that card. And if you're just interested in our grades in general, we'll have a link to the spreadsheet available for you. And then after we go through those differences for each color, we're going to take a look at the top commons and top uncommons for each color. So for white, we'll do the grading differences, then top commons, then top uncommons, and so on and so forth for all the other colors. Pretty impressive to me that that was our first full go at the crash course. And that's how it stayed. We sort of got all the template pieces there that we wanted to do for future episodes. I'm, I, that's pretty impressive. I think so. And the part that surprised me the most about that was the amount of feedback we got about people liking the segment where you and I discuss 
differences in our grading. I would not have expected that to be the thing that people latched onto the most. And I think that is one of the things that people really, really like about the crash course. Yeah, I remember when we were done recording it or like when we were getting that feedback, you were like, oh, I'm surprised about that because that felt like the rockiest part or like maybe the part we spent most of the time on, but didn't feel like that might have been like the best for the listeners. But it's definitely one of the things I look forward to the most. It's like one of the only times we talk about cards on our shows without like detailed written descriptions of it in our show notes so that the other person can see. It's really like the one time that we like just go head to head, which I really like. Yep. That point system though. <laughs> that point system though, you always win. You'll, you're fine. It's more points for Ben for sure. And that brings us to our next sort of marquee episode where we again i think really figured out how to draft a format and had an an episode that was like the episode for that format to go to to listen to and even when i remember when rivals of ixalan came back on magic arena we're still directing people to episode 31 avoiding the aggro trap so yeah let's just get into it i refuse to draft aggro (laughs) unless i am absolutely pigeonholed into it i don't know about you yeah i'm in complete agreement with you you like like word vomited out these show notes yesterday and I was just like reading through them and I was like, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> like it's everything I've been like sort of thinking, but worried about because like, as you remember how I was doing at the end of Ixalan, I was like, oh yeah, this Dirtle deck is like fun and good. But like, it wasn't, it was like a tool. It wasn't actually like the best deck or like, I didn't feel like it was really the, the, the deck you should be drafting unless it was really wide open for you. But I do feel like all the tools are really here now for that deck to be pretty, pretty prominent. Yeah, I think this is the thing I want to be doing in the format. Like, I want to win, and I think this is how I can win best at this point in the format. So here's just some thoughts. Like, we're going to kind of lay down why we think aggro is not great. One of the main things I remember about that episode, and I know we talked about it in there, but I had just come off of participating in what what they used to do, these like streamer showdown things on Magic Online, where they would like create a pod for eight streamers, and then you could like watch them all stream it, sort of like, you know, what they do with any sort of like streamed events or tournaments now, Um, but it was just like these eight person pods, and then you play out all the rounds, and I drafted this red black aggro deck that just like really didn't perform i like wasn't happy with it and that was sort of like the nail in the coffin for me about drafting these like aggro decks and specifically i think it was black red and blue red aggro in that format and i really felt like we we hit that early and hard and like really stood by it and i think that we were really right about that for that format yep i agree completely so then we move on to uh, sort of like stretching the boundaries of limited content we did our first and now that has become like a staple for each format a a what's the play episode for episode 34 we've got a what's the play episode (laughs) so we're going to take a look at some board states here ethan and i have each highlighted some scenarios where uh when we were streaming or playing games that we went deep in the tank uh and had to figure out what the optimal play was so we're going to analyze those in depth and hopefully teach you a thing or two about our thought process so that you can help improve your thought process in your next match Yeah, we focus a lot on like, you know, pick orders, um, signals in draft. We don't get to often focus on in-game decision making, mostly because it's really tough with a uh, an audio medium to to get all that information into your your head by just thinking about it with us describing the board states. So we'll have links to all the uh, imager pages for the screenshots that we have um, so you can follow along at home. But hopefully our descriptions will also help you track what's going on as well. Yeah, so I'm going to go ahead and take it away here with our first scenario. This is what's the play number one, uh, and all the screenshots that go with this will be labeled like 1A, 1B, 1C, 1D on the podcast show notes. 
I remember recording that episode and I remember it being so hard to record and just feeling icky while we were recording it. And then once we edited it and put the whole thing together, I think it was a really smooth product and actually went way better than either of us thought it was going to. Yeah. And the feedback was really positive. I don't think there's been episodes like that on other shows, partially because it's really hard. I mean, you sort of have to just sort of decide that your listener is going to look at some pictures while they listen to your show, or they're just going to have to like really listen hard and make a picture in their head of what you're describing. Yeah. And I think our, I think we trusted that the people who listen to our show or our target audience was that type of person. And I like that we get to like split things up every set by doing an episode like that. I mean, it's hard to do. It's, I, I don't think people quite understand. I mean, we have to like, you have to get quite the right board state that's like highlighting a certain leak or a certain strategy or a certain decision point to make. And then also make sure that that's like pretty easy to package into one screenshot. You know, it's like, it's a lot of like finding that first and then putting it into the show and then deciding how to package that. And like a fairly difficult decision with not a super difficult board state. I think that's really the sweet spot. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Describing as few cards as possible with a, as many decisions as possible to make. And that sort of led us to our first big name guest, which was Amaz, also known as Jason Chan, who just, uh, you know, a Hearthstone celebrity, also played MTG, you know, got invited to the Silver Showcase. That was our first big name, no offense to Ryan, <laughs> but our first <laughs> big name guest. I like drafting a deck that has a good curve. So I want to be doing something every turn. And um, I also have the idea that if you end the game with no cards in your hand, then you actually build your deck perfectly, I guess, because you use every resource, right? Uh, if you end the game with seven cards or zero cards, it's still the same thing. So you might as well use every card at your disposal, right? Even my control decks have like a lot of two drops, a lot of three drops to kind of support the bombs, I guess uh, you could say, since, um, you know, if you play, you know, a creature every turn until your Nif visit or whatever, then the chances of them having a removal for that card is very, very low because they had to deal with the stuff beforehand. So yeah, my control decks usually don't run a lot of non-creatures, I guess, or like non-removals. Listen to that brings back a lot of memories, first of which was that Amaz just had some out there concepts a little bit. And I do think he's a, an extraordinarily good player and things like that. But the thing that sticks out the most to me listening to that, you and I didn't really know Amaz. He'd been in your stream more than mine at the time, but we'd never talked to him in person. And we were just sort of like, yeah, let's do this thing. And when he got on Skype, there was just this gigantic <laughs> in the background. And I was like, uh, hey, is that like your air conditioner or something? Can you turn that off? And he was like, oh, no, I, I can't do anything about that. My editor just gets rid of that. Can't you just put a gate and blah, blah, blah and, and take care of that? And I was like, uh, sure. Yeah, I, I can do that. No problem. <laughs> so like editing that episode was just an absolute nightmare. I will also say I have a bit of PTSD from that episode because I think the night before Amaz had Skyped into your stream, and this was around anniversary 25 masters. That was what we had him on to talk about. And you and he did like three or four drafts or whatever on stream together, and then decided that you were both like 100% in line with how you thought about the format. And I was not there. And so like... <laughs> Amaz would make a comment, I would contest it. And Amaz like is a pretty like, extreme discourser of magic cards. Like he like has his opinion and sticks by it. And when you try and like push back on it, he just pushes right back at you. He's not really about like meeting in the middle at all. And then <laughs> so I would push back and Ben would be like, Yeah, I agree with Amaz. And I was just like, Well, this is going great for me this week. 
<laughs> and that led us straight into our next episode, our very next episode, which was another huge name guest. We had Andrew Cunio on the show. Yeah, big thanks to Dustin Stern, who uh, if you're not following on Twitter, I highly recommend you do so. He, among other things, does a like tier list for cards, every limited set that is really, really useful to check out. But yeah, Dustin was in our Twitch chat and he was like, hey, Andrew Cunio is drafting this format differently than you guys and also having success. Would you be interested in having him on? And we were like, yeah, duh, of course. And, uh, and so we did. If you're talking about like, what are people who, if you're somebody who's, you know, playing on Magic Online and you're, uh, you know, you're playing in the limited PTQs and you feel like you just need to know a little bit more to get to the top eight, or maybe you're getting to the top eight and not winning, or maybe you're making day two of Grand Prix and feeling like you're lost. I would say that one of the things you need to do, and it, it, this is, it's very hard to do, unfortunately is you need to move beyond thinking that the way to get better at limited is to learn pick orders or card evaluation. I think that the number one thing that people don't put enough time into is actually good gameplay. Yeah. Which it's very hard to focus on that because honestly, you can go through a bunch of games of Magic where like once you're good, there are not a lot of hard decisions. Yeah, there are a number of things that just rush back listening to that. The first of which is just that Andrew Cunio was a mesmerizing guest, and I could have listened to him talk about testing with the Pantheon and magic just all day. But the second was editing that again was a bear because you hear in the episode, Cunio sounds like he's talking pretty flowingly. When he was on the show, he was very careful about choosing his words and talked a lot like this while he was telling the stories. <laughs> And I had to edit, well, I didn't have to, but I wanted to make it seem a lot smoother. So I edited out every pause that he put while he was thinking about choosing his words very carefully. Yeah, Ben and I have sort of like a running joke back and forth because, I mean, just, you know, it's three audio tracks from three different areas. Something is going to come up when you're recording, not only me and Ben, but adding a third person into the mix. And it was really bad back when my computer sucked and that made there be more audio drift. So it was even harder to line up all three audio tracks. So Ben and I have like a running joke of hashtag no more guests that we always bring up after we get have a guest on or when people are like suggesting, hey, you should have this person on. Like we're always like, no, 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 no more guests. And I think, you know, it's a double edged sword because I think the guest episodes are some of our best episodes. It's oh, just yeah. a lot of work. So sprinkling them in, you know, with a little bit of a gap. I think this is our first time doing back to back. And I was like, no, <laughs> we can't have another guest on. Right. And remember that this is back when Ben was doing all of the editing. So there's no reprieve for him. That's going to bring us to our first preview card ever. So I don't know if folks remember, but uh, during Dominaria spoiler season, there was a bunch of leaks. A lot of the cards for the set got leaked. And this caused Wizards of the Coast to sort of retool how they were going to do spoiler season for content creators. And Blake Rasmussen threw out this tweet like, hey, if there are any content creators out there or content creators you know of that you think should get preview cards because of this leak that happened, we're retooling things, let us know. And our dear friend of the show and former guest of the show, Matt Bedsol, Stunlock FTW, tweeted at Blake, said like, hey, I'd love to see some like build around uncommons get sent to Lords of Limited. And Blake was like, let's uh, set me up with their contact info. So I messaged him on Twitter and he hooked us up with our first ever preview card. All right, Ben, it's time. The preview cards. The Dominaria preview cards, official Lords of Limited. Da, 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 da. I'm so excited. This is so cool. This is very, very cool. Thank you, Wizards of the Coast, for letting us participate in this spoiler season. So without further ado, we're going to get into our not one, not two, but three preview cards. For Dominaria. All right, so the first one we're looking at is Baloth Gorger. 
This is two green green for a 4-4 beast at common. And it has kicker four. And if you pay the kicker when it ETBs, it comes into play with three plus one plus one counters on it. Yeah. So we've got a little split card here, either a four mana 4-4 or an eight mana 7-7. At common, a four mana 4-4 at common? That is large. That's a large. That's a big boy. Yeah. That is a big boy. That card seems really strong to me. It's got to be like C plus at least, I would think. Poor Ben and Ethan of the past. Bayloth Gorger was just fine. Yeah, not great. It was fine. It was a C. It was a C, but it wasn't as as big as perhaps we thought. But that was still really big for our show. I and you can hear the excitement. We just sound like kids in a candy store in that episode. Yeah, we were the first people outside of, you know, the people at WotC that designed the set and things like that to see those cards. That's a really cool feeling. Yeah, very cool. And it we've been part of spoiler season for every set release since. So we're really thankful for that opportunity. So a few weeks after that, the first week of Dominaria, actually, uh, me and Ben and Matt, Stunlock FTW, joined up in Columbus for a Team GP. And this was 44 episodes deep. This was the first time that Ben and I had met. So almost a year of doing the show. And it didn't, it was strange. It didn't really feel like meeting. And I think we talked about this somewhere, but couldn't find an audio clip. It didn't feel like meeting for the first time. It just felt like an old friend that you hadn't seen for a couple of years that you were seeing. And I was like, oh, hey, you know, good to see you. Yeah, I was just actually talking about this with a friend the other night who was like, wait, you never met this guy? I was like, no, I met him once and like doing the show for two years. And they just were blown away by that. And it sort of is wild to think like we're like business partners now and we have met once in our lives. Yeah, started in LLC and our co whatever you want to call it partners, co-owners of this limited liability corporation, which is just absolutely crazy. And I think, you know, a testament to the level of friendship and trust that exists between the two of us. Yeah. So then we get to our first milestone here in terms of episode numbers. We got to our 50th episode, and I don't think we were really sure what we were going to do, but came up with something pretty sweet. We weren't really even going to do anything special for the 50th episode. I don't think we were like, well, maybe we'll do take a look back and a look to the future, talk about like more goals for Patreon. Then we decided to do something a little bit off the deep end, and we are going to attempt to do 50 Dominaria hot takes in 50 minutes. So we're going to jam pack what could be 50 episode topics all into one episode minute at a time. Are you ready for this, Ben? I think you got it on lock. You're a professional talker. You're going to carry me. We got this. <laughs> okay, so this will be, you know, a little lenient because sometimes we may have to, you know, behind the scenes, things may get shorter or longer on the podcast. So, But I am going to try and keep us honest here with a timer as we dive in to topic number one. Are you ready, Ben? Let's do it. All right. Three, two, one, go. That ended up being just an awesome episode for number 50 and becoming another staple of the show because the feedback we received was just awesome about it. And I think after recording it, you and I knew we had done something that was pretty cool too. Yeah. And it, you know, in retrospect, it does. It's again, it's an episode that takes a lot of work to get like 50 different subjects about a format, but it's so good now, especially as like formats become canon, especially on Arena where they're just like swapping them out every other week or whatever. When people are like, I've never drafted Dominaria before. I've never drafted Rivals of Ixalan. You know, we didn't do it for Rivals, but for formats since Dominaria, we can just be like, well, the best episode to go listen to is the 50 Takes episode, because that's going to have like the most information jam-packed into one thing as we're sort of trying to synthesize our thoughts on the format as it's wrapping up. Yeah, huge props to you for coming up with that idea. You knocked it out of the park. 
And we had decided enough time had passed at this point. We're coming up on episode 52 to have another guest on the show. We recovered from our hashtag no more guest PTSD. <laughs> so we welcomed on Caleb Durward to talk about Cube. And I this clip is hilarious. Caleb just <laughs> absolutely shuts me down and even <laughs> saved me so hard in this clip. I love it. I think one of the other things when I watch you Cube or, you know, like I you're sort of the person that got me started on cube. Like I've especially playing combo decks. Like I remember watching your older videos on CFB and that like sort of got me the courage to try my, my first storm deck. Cause I saw how sweet, sweet it was when you were playing it on those CFB videos. I feel like you excel at drafting decks that aren't blue in cube. Can you talk about that at all? Like, I think you're one of the best in that area. No, I have, I have, I have no idea how to answer that. Well, it sounds like he values the like red, hasty creatures a lot and that sounds like a pretty big difference because i often think like i mean thunder my hell kite and zealous conscripts maybe not so much but like that a lot of those cards i'm like well if i'm not mono red i shouldn't be playing them but it sounds like you have a much like wider opinion of a lot of those powerful red cards oh yeah the the five drop uh, the five drop white creatures are sweet too just angels and dragons get them get them caleb was such a funny guest we had to work for it with him yeah, it was it was hard to get him to talk about stuff. But once he was talking about stuff, it was so good. And I think that Angels and Dragons level up moment is something I still keep with me in my cube arsenal when I go down to cube. And the other thing about that clip that you don't hear that I edited out was after Caleb just <laughs> soul crushed right. me was was me going like, oh, OK, <laughs> like I was just so I was so crushed. That's right. I remember that. That was a really pivotal moment for you. You really hung on to that one minute clip. So we're around the time, like a little bit after a year of doing the show and Ben's responsibilities at work increase and the school year is starting up, the summer of marching band. And he tells me that he has too much on his plate and he can't do as much of the editing anymore. And if you told me a year ago that I was going to say, all right, I'll do it. I would have said, no, that's like, that was one of my like firm points of starting the show was like, I'm not going to do, I don't want to do this editing, but I just love doing the show so much. And it was like really starting to, and it was like picking up. I mean, you can see we're like building momentum or like getting more guests with a lot of clout on our show. It feels like we have a community that's growing. And uh, so I started editing the bulk of the episodes, like taking over for him while his school year was in, in full beast mode. And I also started to pepper in a little bit of my own pizzazz at the end of each episode. Um, How did you sneak Dwindle back onto our <laughs> get this out are of you here really? yeah no it's, way no way you think all of those cards on that list are better than dwindle yes i do <laughs> man the hate is real it's very entirely possible that there's some people listening to this episode that don't know this but since episode 55 at the end of the episode i put a little blooper at the end of the show because you know our, our show is pretty heavily edited as ben said you know it's usually two to three times as long as the episode is what we do and we go through and we cut out like ums and uhs and sometimes we'll like stutter over our words and so then we pause and restart that sentence because we really want the show to be like a polished tight finished product and so then inevitably what happens is there's some clip like that clip of us arguing about dwindle that like doesn't actually belong in the show but i think is quite funny and so i throw that as like a little easter egg at the end of each episode yep and you got me doing that now too i really like that at the end of the show gives people a little peek into the behind the scenes of our show and then jumping forward we had another awesome guest on the show we had Ari Lax guesting on the show. And this sort of set a template for future guests on the show where Ari just knew what he wanted to talk about and just laid out his own show notes. And we sort of interviewed him about what he wanted to talk about. 
Well, I think that there's more to it is a perfect way to transition into these six points that you have outlined. So what do you have for us here at number one? So number one, um, the biggest switch was kind of viewing it as uh, learning to draft the hard way. I assume a lot of people have seen that, but it's an old Ben Stark article where he basically describes the process of drafting to draft the open deck and not pigeonholing yourself into a couple, you know, if you went to Dominaria and you knew how to draft like blue red and green black and mono red aggro those might be like the three best decks in the format but you also need to be ready for the drafts where white is open and you should be drafting white green tokens or whatever and realizing that uh the the best place in each draft is almost always the open archetype and planning as if you need the knowledge of how to do that in all the different spots that was like the big shift up in uh my limited games So there's a few things here that I want to dive into about this clip. The first is, can you just tell how influential the Drafting the Hard Way article was on the limited community? Holy cow. Yeah, what an article. If you haven't read it, you should definitely check it out. I think we've referenced it now three times in the clip show today. The second is that Ari was, I think, one of the first pros who was a vocal supporter of our show on Twitter. He tweeted about our, I didn't even know that he was a listener or whatever. He just like tweeted about our show one day and it was super positive about it. And again, that was like when our show was up on the mothership, getting like some tweets or messages of like, hey, did you see that Ari Lax tweeted about you guys? And that was a really great feeling. And so that goes along with one of the goals that I had in 2018 for the show was I wanted us to be sponsored. I like felt like we had cultivated a great community of listeners, but I wanted to try and get a wider reach. And I felt like the way to do that was to have a website attached to our name. And I had done some cold emailing of places uh, in the past and not really gotten any bites. And so in conjunction with asking Ari to be on the show, I also asked if he had any leads on some places where we could use his name as a reference. Like he obviously liked our content. He's a good player. I felt like that gave us a little bit more clout. And one of the places that he gave us to contact was SCG, which felt like the biggest reach. They're the biggest fish in the sea, right? That's the website for content creation, I feel like. And so when we emailed Cedric saying like, hey, Ari Lex gave me your contact info, hope you don't mind. And that led to us having a pretty long back and forth with Cedric, which ultimately led to a sponsorship with Star City Games. That is just beyond my wildest dreams. And that all really started with Ari. And I don't actually know if, you know, Cedric wouldn't have given us the time of day if we hadn't attached his name to it. But in my mind, I like to think that that's the case because that's like a cooler like story of networking. Yeah, really appreciate Ari sticking his neck out for us and you as well for taking the lead on emailing all those places and hooking us up with the best possible sponsor, Star City Games. Yeah, really couldn't be happier to have our show attached to them. And then fast forward a little bit to our first ever repeat guest, Ryan Sachs, who came on to talk about drafting aggro decks, which was just awesome because I think it's a concept that you and I both are not super comfortable drafting aggro. I mean, we'll do it when it's the right thing to do. You know, we both drafted aggro in Ixalan, but just as a general rule, I think you and I tend towards control decks, probably because we listen to limited resources a ton. And that's what Marshall and Luis and Brian, you know, although Brian, maybe not so much. I started listening to LR during Quadrant 3. That was my first ever episode. So through the influence of limited resources, both you and I tend towards control decks. And actually, (laughs) I draft control decks because back in the day before leagues, I felt (laughs) like I got more value out of my tickets on Magic Online drafting control decks. I wanted my rounds to last as long as possible and to not have to wait in between rounds. That's really why I draft control. That blows my mind. I remember the first time you told me that. I think that's so funny. (laughs) You know, you draft mono red and cube, you're done in 10 minutes, then you have to sit around and wait for 40 minutes for the next round of fire. That's no good. It's true. So here's Ryan on drafting aggro. 
Yeah, so I have a follow-up to that. Like, the card that springs to mind for that from Guilds of Ravnica that, uh, you know, I think Ethan and I both think is not very good that I think you're very willing to play and put in your decks is Gird for Battle. Oh, I love that card. I know, right. So I think that, like, boils down to the heart of this issue. Like, I really don't want to put a Gird for Battle in my deck, and I don't think Ethan does particularly either. No, it's actually after our episode on Boros, Ryan messaged us on Discord and was like, Ethan, you talked about Gird for Battle like you didn't like it. Is that true? It's like, <laughs> yeah, it is. Yes, yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> so so in your mind, like, why is Gird for Battle a good card in an aggressive deck? Because I, I would be loath to put a Gird for Battle even in my my red-white aggressive decks. Uh, it, it's actually kind of similar to the concepts related to the philosophy of fire, right? I'm spending a card that is likely enabling an attack. That is that is what it is doing. If Gird for Battle for one mana lets me get in for four damage, right? That is a potentially large advantage. And especially in Guilds of Ravnica specifically, where it can enable an attack with a mentor creature, sometimes it's adding three power on creatures with that already have power to get in for even more chunks of damage, like eight. And for one mana, that kind of effect just, you you don't get it. Um, and so it's an irreplaceable effect to be able to, for that amount of mana, generate that amount of attack potential is the way that I would put it, which is why I really like it in the deck, especially because of how it curves well with Healer's Hawk, because any way to turn that card into a 2-2 is premium in my opinion. It makes me really happy to have Ryan as like a limited partner in crime. Like, I mean, we're the three people who create limited content for Star City Games, and that makes me happy. And just like anytime I hear him talk about magic, it just blows my mind. And he said he's very, very eloquent. And that aggro episode is so strong and really leveled me up a bunch. Yeah, I think fast forward a little bit to episode 90, Drafting with Bots. This was our first time addressing for a full episode, just drafting with the bots. I think that's sort of the new world order with Magic Arena. You know, you and I are sort of dying old men clinging on to Magic Online, (laughs) unable to change our ways. But we do draft on Magic Arena a fair amount as well and wanted to get an episode out there about the problems with drafting with bots and sort of how to take advantage of drafting with the bots. And I think we did a good job in this episode. Talk a little bit about what you mean in terms of like starting to draft with a plan earlier than you would in a pod, like what you're trying to do when you're drafting against people versus what it means to be like drafting with a plan earlier with bots. Well, or or just even committing to a guild earlier. So like if, you know, I've got you know a couple Simic cards and I've got a white card and I've got a black card and then all of a sudden like pack one, pick six, I see this late skewer the critics. You know, once I see like a couple of the weird things that come from the bots, I either force myself to say, okay, I'm going to take this and I'm going to pivot into this thing and I'm not going to look back. Or I'll say, I'm going to ignore this. I'm going to stick with these three Simic cards I have come what may like a little bit of much more a sense of tunnel vision than I would ever have on MTGO. And for me, that ends up in me drafting better decks, because at least at the end of it, you know, maybe I've missed a late Rakdos Firewheeler or something. But at the end of it, I have a Simic deck that has a plan, that has a good curve, that has good creatures, that has bounce spells. You know, I know what the decks are supposed to look like. Yeah. And I decide, okay, I'm going to draft Simic come what may, like at the end of pack one, pick eight or something, rather than continue to try to dive and wheel, because I don't feel like necessarily you always get paid off from the bots. So, you know, let's say I start with my first four picks, like Simic Rulish, and then I audible into Rakdos, because Rakdos felt open at the end of pack one. There's times in pack three where I just don't see Rakdos. Like when you would be expecting to get paid off really heavily 
for having read that Rakdos was open at the end of pack one. Yeah, that's a really frustrating thing that I found myself getting trapped by. Holy congestion, Batman. Holy new microphone, Batman. The sound quality difference for me from that episode to other ones is wild. Can definitely tell that that helped out quite a bit. Yeah, I haven't really drafted War that much on Arena this time around. I feel like uh, I got to step up my game so we can revisit this topic. I think it's an important one to keep touching on, like all of our sort of like what's the plays or full 45s, the sort of pillars we try and hit each format. I think that that's one we may need to pepper in as well. Yeah, we've got a lot of requests for information on drafting with the bots. And I do think at the start of the format, we're going to stick with MTGO because I think the best thing we can do for you, whether you're drafting on MTGO or Arena, is to just get you the archetypes and how to draft and what the best cards are. And I think that's easier to figure out on MTGO than it is on Arena. And then once we sort of figure that stuff out, we'll start drafting on Arena and maybe give you a little info about what we think the bots are undervaluing or weird stuff that we think might be happening with them. And that's going to bring us to our last clip here, which is sort of like this this huge influx of listeners and supporters of the show just a few weeks ago when we sort of said that we broke the format, broke War of the Spark. And I think if we thought the Discord exploded in 2017 when we first started talking about it, I don't know what we would have thought about what happened just a few weeks ago. Yeah. And speaking of crushing things, I think you and I and the Lords of Limited Discord broke War of the Spark wide open. Ben, 10 out of 10 for transition to War of the Spark draft just there, first of all. And second of all, you're absolutely right. It was unreal watching people just trophy after trophy in the Discord this week with War of the Spark going live on Magic Online and Arena. Yeah, we want to shout out some people from the Discord. I think you and I have been crushing it. We're actually right next to each other side by side on the leaderboard. Stunlock, FTW, Quarter Calls, Draftomatic, Ryan Sachs, Martini. I'm sure there are some other names like people that aren't as vocal or haven't haven't posted quite as many of their trophy shots. But I think we figured this format out and I think we are crushing it as a team. I stand by it. I think we broke War of the Spark draft. I mean, it happened so fast. I mean, if you look at what we're struggling with now, which is like, oh, the Grixis colors aren't really open, but that's like three weeks into the format. We got there on like day three. Yeah, I think we were really able to leverage knowing that Grixis was really good and just knowing that two drops were really good and just how the gameplay worked against the Planeswalkers and how to beat the good Planeswalkers and the good bombs. The cultivation of like how we've decided to structure our show, the community we've fostered through the Discord and the folks who choose to support our show through Patreon who are as a result part of the Discord and see that all culminate in just like six of the top 19 or 20 names on the trophy leaderboard be people who are active members of our Discord, including you and me, was really awesome to see. Yeah, and just the huge influx of people into the Discord. I feel like we've grown exponentially the last two weeks, and hopefully that continues to go because I think you and I are hoping for another 100 episodes after this of continuing to improve and innovate and learn how to get the jump on formats ahead of time before everyone else in the world can do it. I'm really proud of the show that we have, and I'm really proud of the standard that we hold ourselves to and the product that we put out to our listeners. And I think people appreciate that level of commitment, that level of detail and time that we put into everything. And it's just really awesome to look at you know, our listenership grow, our patronage grow, and having a sponsor and the amount of big names that we've had on our show, just looking back over what we've accomplished from just like a couple of guys met on the internet who felt like they had something to say about Limited and then to see what's happened over the past two years is wild. Yeah, I feel very lucky to have started the podcast with you and very lucky that it's been 
more successful than I think you or I ever could have dreamed of. And that's due to all of you, our listeners. So thank you very much for listening, whether you support on Patreon or not. Spread the good word, get our name out there, and help us grow for another 100 episodes. Yeah, cheers to that. Here's to another 100. Yeah, I think that's a great place to wrap us up. Thank you, as always, to Salty Pretzels for 100 episodes of intro and outro music. Wait, that's not actually true. We Our first couple episodes were without Salty Pretzels' famous intro and outro music. We had some some stock stuff that I found on the internet. I know. When I went back and listened to the first episode, it's like just like some stock jazzy tunes, right? It's a little rockish more than jazz. I liked it. I went back and listened and I was like, yeah, I found some good intro and outro music, but nothing near what what Salty Pretzels composed for us. Yeah, the music's great. Make sure you give it a listen and make sure you listen past the end of the music. You might find a little goodie there. And since we're on a milestone episode number 100 here, we also want to shout out Sweeks, the graphic designer who got both of our streams off and running with images, things like that, when we both decided to start streaming. And when we decided to start the podcast, made the logo that you see when you download the podcast each and every week. So thank you, thank you, thank you to Sweeks. If you want to check out me and Ben on Twitch, I am at twitch.tv slash Lord Tupperware. Ben is at twitch.tv slash Mr. Metronome. Mr. is spelled out. We are both under those same usernames on Twitter. And you can tweet at the podcast at Lords of Limited. If you've got any feedback about the show or any questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. We'll say it again. Thank you so, so much for listening and supporting the show. And we'll catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Thanks, everybody. See you later. so many things that rush back listening to that as well the first of which is that andrew was just a fantastic guest and i was mesmerized listening to him talk about like testing with you and an oe <laughs> did i just say human human and oe <laughs> well we got our blooper ladies and gents <laughs>